I'm Keisha Polonio. As Chandra said, I am the coaching director, the assistant, associate, now she got me saying assistant, associate director for the Tampa Underground, and it's always an honor to serve this community. I do a lot of things, but this morning, I was remembering that I almost did not get invited to be a part of the Underground like back 10 years ago. I'm gonna just tell the story because nobody put me in the video. They probably don't want this in like the documentary that the associate director of the Tampa Underground did not get invited to be a part of that first like 50, you remember? My microchurch leader thought that me and my husband were like not committed, we we're kind of shady. And maybe we were. Maybe we had too much to say. Maybe I was just like, what is going on with all these microchurches and people in the house and they just here for hours and we eating casseroles. I don't. I don't get it, and chili, um, but somehow I made it, and that somehow was Melissa Cordero going to Brian, saying like, no, 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 I think you're wrong. And Brian was like, I don't care. You know, I don't care. Just tell them that if they come here, they need to be serious and ready. So I was, I'm here, and I think I'm, that's something that I've always felt, to be here, to be ready, and not just to be ready for what we're doing in our city, but to be ready for what God has for us today. So I just wanna pray for us real quick, and then we can jump in, is that cool? Jesus, I thank you that you are always present, that you have never left us and will never forsake us, God. And even when we don't know what to do, even when we don't understand, God, you do. Jesus, and so we um, entrust this time to you, God. We give you this passage, God. We ask, would you open our ears? Would you allow our hearts to be soft, God, and hear what you have for us today? In your name we pray, amen. All right, if you're new here, um, we are going to read through a passage, Luke 13. It's on the back of your little announcement, if you have one. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to read through this, and then we'll get together in groups and just really talk about what is the Lord doing, what do you sense, what questions do you have, and then we'll come back together as a large group, okay? So I'll give you a couple of minutes to go through that. All right, let's get back together, and um, maybe we can have a larger group discussion with each other. Uh, so we'll have two mic runners, right? Nishu and someone else. Megan. Uh, Megan, hey. Um, and so raise your hand, and who wants to be the first one to kind of share a question, observation, give a comment? So I'm a little confused. Okay. Um, in verse 24, it talks about a narrow door because many will not enter. But then in verse 29, it's like people from east and west and north and south, this is sounding like a lot of people, right. will be coming and sitting at the table. Right. So what What does narrow door mean? What's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's interesting because um, when I was reading it too, that stood out to me. It made it seem like only a little. But what I think he's trying to say is that it will be difficult, difficult, narrowness, getting, if you kind of big, i.e., going through a narrow door might be a little difficult. And so I think the example, the imagery he's giving is that there'll be some hardship, there'll be some work. It's not easy. So, uh-oh, y'all giving some little, like, somebody need that word, I guess, somebody. Who else? Somebody up here. Yeah, building on what uh, she said, mm -hmm. the words that really get me here is, which are kind of confusing, is make every effort. 
Because mm-hmm. the whole point of Jesus is we don't get to heaven by our effort, right? And mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting. He is the narrow door. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean, make every effort, when in a sense all I have to do is accept what he did for me? Yeah. That's the effort. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit, hopefully, about that when I share. But I think um, from what I've been gleaning that the Lord is saying, like, there is something that you are supposed to be doing, too. And it will be hard. It will be difficult. You will fail because you are human. Um, but there is things. There are, there are things that you need to say yes to. Not just being in my presence isn't enough. Saying yes isn't enough. Um, and so there's this balance that I think he's trying to show there, too. Who else? There's two up there. Um, where it says, like, um, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. So these people were in line to get through the door, and he closed it. Mm. That freaks me out. Mm. <laughs> what if I'm in line, mm-hmm. you know, and not in the yeah. door? Like, these people are, are on the path of wanting to get through. Yeah. But it's like, no, no more. Yeah, that part makes me unsettled. When I saw that they gave me this passage, I was like, why are they giving me the weeping and gnashing of teeth? Why can't I do, like, you know, Lucas did, like, humility, be humble. I'll I'll easily come and say, sit down, be humble, right? (laughs) But they give me the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I I think we do need to wrestle with that tension, that there will be people, people that we know and love, that will be weeping and gnashing. And we don't like that. We don't like feeling that. So what do we do? And hopefully today I'll be able to share a little bit of what I feel like the Lord is saying. So going off of what you said, um, when I read something that says make every effort in the Bible, I think about when you accept the faith, when you accept Jesus into your life, that in turn makes you want to do good things. And I always feel like, no, we're not making an effort, like our good deeds or whatever are not what's going to make us be saved but it's something that we feel like Mm -hmm. compelled to Mm -hmm. do and I think that's what he might be talking about in that um, verse you want to come and preach you want (laughs) to we could I could sit down I mean I've just been preparing for the last couple of days but I think you're right I think you're right anyone else someone over there Um, so my question is, who's first, who's last, and which one am I, I mm-hmm. guess? Yeah, I, I think if you want to be first, that's probably not a good way to start, right? Um, I think that the world puts standards on who's first and who's last, who, who has privilege and who doesn't. And honestly, I don't know the details. I can't tell you where you're going to fall, if you're number one or if you're 99. I'm not sure. Um, I wish I could tell you, but um, I think if you want more details on that, Brian Sanders is here. He's in the back, I heard, with a hat on. And so he could probably go more in detail about, like, in Leviticus, where there's probably, like, a a reference that can bring it back. But I think that's a question that we grapple with. Um, And I think that I feel great that the, those of the earth who are unseen, who don't, who are not given worth, who are never seen as important, at this table they are. Things will be right. I think that's what he's saying. Things will be right, and right now they're not. And so I look forward to the day when justice reigns and righteousness comes and things are set in the place where they're supposed to be. 
Maybe one more. Hello, my name is Samuel. Um, it's a, he said, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. But then he went ahead and Jesus went out throughout the city and started preaching and stuff like this. Um, many will make an effort as in making good deeds and doing good things and helping one another and trying to make good of their life. They can make good of their life and do mm -hmm. good deeds all they want, but knowing that you don't have Jesus in your heart and having him in, 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 in your life and in your family and being in church and spreading the gospel like Jesus did and doing his deeds, um, we can't enter that door. Jesus gives us the key to enter heaven. So the door can never be locked to us if we have him in our heart and in our mind, in our life, and in our soul. Um, so, yes, there are only going to be a few that can enter that door. Mm -hmm. Jesus gives us that key so we can enter. That's what I got out of that passage. Awesome. Thank you. Mishu, can I have your mic? I need some freedom from the, the strings that bind me. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for engaging in that um, little Bible study. It's always really great when we have feedback. And um, just hearing your input and your insight, I'm like, man, you guys are really getting this. Because when I first read it, and I've, I felt like I've read this passage a lot. I felt like I've heard a lot of people preach on this passage, but it was difficult. Can I confess to you that preparing for this passage has been difficult for me? Hard. Like, I, start, I said, you know what, I'm going to start prepping from last week. Because usually I try the week before, but I said, you know, what? I'm going to give myself a good two weeks to prep. And I would look at the passage and I would wait. Wait for that thing to pop up. What's the thing, Lord? What are you trying to say? What's the idea? What's the image? I'm waiting. And I would read the passage and I would wait. And after waiting for a couple of days, I got really frustrated. Then I started crying. And then I'm just like, why, Jesus, just tell me. And then I got angry. And I'm like, why, Jesus, why? And then I'm like, why am I even preaching? Why am I even here? Why do they even ask me? There's a lot of people that can preach. Why am I here? Why, why? Just tell me what you want to say. And I felt helpless. And I would read the passage. And this is what I would see. I would see, OK, uh, seed, yeast, uh, door, weeping and gnashing. Seed, yeast, door, weaving and gnashing. And I'm like, okay, I get that, but what are you saying? And finally, I, I do a lot of um, imagination prayers or St. Ignatius prayers where you put yourself into the passage. Have you guys heard of that? Have you guys ever done that before? And so I thought, well, maybe if I can just try to imagine myself in this passage and the passage before it, the one that Lucas did last week, maybe I can try to understand, maybe I can try to hear, Lord, what do you have for us today? What are you saying today? And so I put on my, um, my phone and I put on the Bible and I closed my eyes and I let it start playing from last week's passage where Jesus is in the synagogue and, um, you know, Jesus is totally being Jesus and doing the most and he starts healing people on the Sabbath. And this woman, this sister, is healed, who had been um, crippled for 18 years, 18 years with the Spirit, and Jesus heals her and delivers her. 
And I started to think, like, I'm the woman, right? And just imagine now I can see people face to face. And I don't know, what do I do? Do I jump up and down? Do I run around? Do I hug everybody? What do I do first? First, I, I wasn't able, and now I am. And then I think of the crowd and all the people that are around, all the people that saw it firsthand. Have you ever been somewhere where something amazing happens and you were there? That's how you feel. You're in the crowd and you're like, oh my gosh, you're losing your mind. You are losing your mind. And maybe that woman who got healed was your sister, your friend, your mom, your cousin. Like, what do you do? Do you weep? Do you cry? Do you jump? Do you, do you laugh? Do you hold her? All these things are going on in my, in my, um, in my mind and I'm just feeling hopeful. I feel joy. And then, you know, haters have to hate. That's a part of their job. That's their work description. They hate. They hate. And the Pharisees are like, uh-uh, nope, not today. Today's the day. And you know, and you can't do this. And there's rules and there's things. And you can't do this. And they start scolding the crowd. And I, I imagine myself, right, being in the crowd and thinking, was I confused? Because these are the people that I'm supposed to be like, that are teaching us in the synagogue. But then this man has just come and healed this woman. There's something about him, and I feel it in everything that I am. I feel like something is special, like that he is the one that we have been reading about. But these people are saying no, like they're a little shady towards him, and I, I don't understand why. And then Jesus, he, he goes and, you know, he cuts through the passive aggressiveness of the Pharisees like Lucas talked about a little bit last week. And he brings truth and brings peace to drama. And he, like, these Pharisees are left embarrassed. And then we walk into the passage for this week. And Jesus asks the question, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? And I'm like, what? What what you talking about? Like, I'm still celebrating. I'm already planning my party. Like, we're going to have a parade. We're going to have, you know, I'm going to have a potluck because I can't feed all this crowd and stuff like that. But y'all all invited. Bring a side dish, right? I'm already planning. I'm already thinking, right? Because I'm still in the passage. I'm a part of this crowd. And, and he says again, like, no, 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 but. What is a kingdom of God? What is a kingdom of God look like? And I'm like, but wait, how do we jump from celebration to a pop quiz? I'm not prepared. I wasn't thinking about that. I'm not thinking about the kingdom of God. I'm thinking about healing. I'm thinking about deliverance. I'm thinking about joy and happiness and what I'm about to eat in about two to three hours. And I, I, I'm sitting there looking at the passage and I'm asking the Lord, like, what are you saying? What am I missing? What am I missing in this passage? Why are you asking this question right now? And I think the reality is, is because I'm always missing something. Always. When he speaks, I am always missing something. I felt this way not too long ago. I am a part of um, one of the created outreaches. We go into strip clubs every month. And about a month ago, I was feeling very frustrated. I remember 
um, spending some time to pray, which I usually do before I go on outreach, because, you know, you just want to detox from the day. Lord, what do you want to say? What, what direction do you have for us? Maybe there's a word from the Lord that you want to give the team. Maybe there's a name of a woman that we need, to, we need to look for. So I'm praying, and I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm, you know, praying worship music, have my Bible out. And then the frustration starts to come up. Like, what are, why are we still doing this? Why? Because I've been doing this for seven years, and not once have I seen a woman come off the stage while we were there and say, yes, I surrender my life to Jesus. Not once. I've been doing this for seven years, Lord, and none of the clubs that we have gone to have shut down. Not one. Why are we still here? And I know, I know we go in and we go in to worship you and we bring light into the darkness and we, we bring these little gifts and we bring these little cupcakes and we love on the women, but why are we there? Is it making a difference? Man, I was crying. I was pounding my fist on my bed. Why don't you do something big? Why don't you do something strong? Why don't you do something that will shake evil till its core again? Why don't you do something? And after I settled down and got all of that out and felt exhausted and stopped talking so much, I heard the Lord say this. Aren't I always calling those in chains into my promised land? And something shook in me. Something was awakened that had fallen asleep when I heard the Lord say, aren't I always calling those in chains into my promised land? Keisha, have you forgotten that I'm always calling my people that are enchained into my promised land? Have you forgotten that? Always, always, always I am calling those in chains into my promised land. And guys, I broke down because the answer is yes. But I broke down because I have forgotten. I have forgotten that, yes, Lord, you are always calling your captives free. And I, I am the descendants of the Israelites that came out of Exodus. I am those people that was released from bondage, saw miracles in Egypt, saw the sea divide in half and walked on dry land and then still complained, Jesus, where are you? God, where are you? We have forgotten. And like them, I have seen miracles. Like them, the Lord has provided. I have seen manna. I have seen the fire by night that has directed us from club to club to club and to woman, from woman to woman. I have seen that, but yet I forget. I forget that he has freed women from, freed women from the clubs. I forget that he is omnipresent, and when I just drop in and drop out, he is still there. I forget because I'm impatient and my hopes and dreams and all of my plans, those things, they lull me into a state of amnesia. The Lord knows that I'm forgetful. He knows that we are forgetful people. But in his loving kindness, he is always reminding us to seek his kingdom. He's always reminding us to wake up 
He's asking us the question, what does the kingdom of God look like? He's asking us that because he wants to remind us that our forgetful hearts are present and we are like the Pharisees, even though I want to be like the crowd, even though you want to be like the crowd, we are like the Pharisees who should have noticed that the kingdom of God was present right before their eyes. But instead, we get confused and we don't recognize and we forget and we forget all the time. And forgetfulness is really a part of the way our brains is created. Like, our brain selectively remembers things. And that's good, because then we would remember everything that happened yesterday. Like, every single thing that happened yesterday. And then everything that happened the day before. And then everything that happened the day before that, and the year before that. And we don't need all of that information in our brains. So the brain does help us be selective in remembering the things that we need to remember. Sometimes we forget because there were, there's like painful things that have happened in our life, traumatic things that have happened in our life, and not forgetting is actually help, not, not remembering is actually helpful to us. It, help us. it helps us to heal and to, and to be able to move on, to live another day. Sometimes we forget because we're just not interested. We don't even make an attempt to remember. I think of um, my kids. I've been trying to teach them the books of the Bible, and so we're starting with New Testament because Old Testament, you know, it's a lot of Habakkuk's and Alukuk's and stuff like that. So I said, let me start with Matthew, you know. Let me start with Luke and John, some names that they probably know from school at least. And so... I try to teach them like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and they're like Corinthians, huh? Corinthians, Ephesus, Ephesus, and I'm just like, guys, you can remember every Pokemon there is in the world, and I mean, if you ever heard Pokemon names, they're in different languages. Like you understand that, but you can't remember Corinthians. <laughs> judging, totally judging them. My oldest, he's 11, and I mean, sweetest boy you've ever met. And he, like, is strategic. Like, he's at his computer playing Minecraft, knows what strategy, knows what he needs to build, killing some, like, zombie people, I don't know, doing all this stuff. He knows what he needs to do, but, yo, he would come from school. 20 minutes, school's just ended, 20 minutes. What homework do you have? Um, uh, um... Uh, I mean, uh, let me, um, let me try to get my backpack. But you didn't write it in your backpack. We know it's not in your agenda. I'm pretty sure because you forgot to write it. Because he's not interested. He is not interested. So he forgets. And I want to be like, yo, we have things to do. You are in middle school. I need you to graduate feel the tension already of college, like you're in sixth grade, I need you to graduate. I need you to do things. Can you guys relate to that? You have a lot of things to do. All the things that we have to do, all your checklists. And if you're like me, I have a lot of them in different apps. But guys, we live a life that is led by the things that we need to do. 
we have to drive, we have to enjoy, we have to discuss, we have to eat, plan, fight, love, text, work out, play, address, serve, schedule, and do. Do, 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 do. And we do it because we love the people that are around us. We do it even though we get weary. We do it because we want to. We do it because someone needs our help. We do it because everybody else is doing it. We do it because Jesus has asked us to. We do a lot of things. And I, I was doing some research on memory and forgetfulness and doing, and there is a lot of study about that. And I read this one article um, from this doctor named Robert Kraft, and he writes this uh, article named uh, Why We Forget. And he says this specifically about doing. He's like, we attend to the present, and therefore we forget. We live our lives moving forward, comprehending, acting, and reacting. We only care about right now. We don't care about remembering it. That's why, have you, have you ever walked into a room? Like you're about to go do something in a room and you walk in there and you're like, oh wait, what was I, what was I supposed to do? Or you call someone and you're about to ask them something or tell them something and as soon as they say hello, you're like, oh, hey girl, hey. Hey, yeah, I, you know, I love, yeah, I'm just calling because, and you're hoping that it comes back to you. Have you ever walked down an aisle in a grocery store and you got in the aisle and you're just like, what, what was I, what was I looking for again? And there's two other people in the aisle that look like you, like, what, what are we, hey, how are you? <laughs> I won't ask you your name because I probably won't remember it, so... And Kraft says this happen, happens because we focus on carrying out the action and not actually remembering it. Our days are fueled by what we have to do, what we have to get done, and not for our need to remember. Not for our need to remember the kingdom of God. And if we don't try to remember, guys, if we don't try to remember the kingdom of God is buried like a seed in the dirt, and yeast in a hidden yeast in a hidden dough, we are lost. And I mean, let's talk about the seed. It's small, it's insignificant. And this mustard seed, you guys didn't really talk about it much, but this mustard seed, especially in those times, would have grown to be a small and insignificant little shrub. Nothing big. But somehow, when Jesus talks about it, it defies everything that we can think and everything that we can imagine. It grows with branches that are reaching to the sky, with leaves that are luscious and where birds can nest and where animals can rest and be sheltered. And this shouldn't be. This seed, it shouldn't be, but the kingdom of God is always extraordinary. And let's talk about yeast, right? Again, small and insignificant, but it brings life and breath to simple flour and water. And if you've ever made bread before, I've seen anybody made bread, they mix it all together, they cover it, and they leave it. But then when you go back, you see that it is moving and it's growing and there's bubbles and it's stretching. And if the bowl is too small, it actually will grow outside and start to cover the surrounding areas of the table. And when you look at a little package of yeast, you think, this shouldn't be, this shouldn't do anything significant. 
but the kingdom of God always exceeds our expectations. Guys, in these examples that Jesus uses in this passage, it clarifies something for us. It clarifies that the kingdom of God does not start off with power and its strength. That it doesn't look like what the world says it should look like, what kingdoms are supposed to look like. Because when my children talk about kingdoms, they're talking about castles and money and wealth. And when our world talks about kingdoms, they talk about grandeur and flashing lights and followers on Instagram and bigness and manyness and muchness, a lot of things. But when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and when we think about the kingdom of God, it comes like a baby in a manger who may have seen weak because he had to go run and hide and be exiled to Egypt for a while. And then he lived this quiet life led in secret until it was time for him to go to the cross. And there he triumphed over death in the grave. And because we are too called to be like Jesus, we have to remember. We have to remember that we too are called to be mustard seeds and and be planted underground. That we are called to be unseen yeast and proclaim the kingdom of the Lord in every corner of our city. Guys, let's not be a community that forgets that. Let us be a community that recognizes the kingdom when we see it. Let us be able to live our lives with fresh eyes, always looking for an opportunity to see the kingdom of the Lord come in our small little gatherings, in our living rooms, on basketball courts, in our boardrooms, in the parking lots, in classrooms, in the grocery store, in that aisle. And I I know I talked a little bit about creative and my frustration, but I don't always feel frustrated when I talk about creative. (laughs) and the work that I'm doing with them. There are some moments where I'm like, man, Lord, you're really here. And maybe you guys always know that he's there because you guys are like good Christians, but I have moments where I'm just like, whoa, Lord. And um, when, when we go on Club Outreach, we started going into lingerie modeling shops, which are also brothels. And it's everything that you probably think it is. And I remember the first time we walked in there, we're not sure what to expect because we've never done outreach in these types of places before. And um, we walked in and it was a small little lobby with a like fake wall, no ceiling, kind of like the hub offices. So like you can hear because there's no ceiling there. And so we in and we knock on the door and we wait and we hear a lot of movement in the background. And I could just imagine maybe what these women are thinking. Like, who are we? Are we wives, girlfriends, upset? Are we undercover police? Are we from the news? We could be a lot of things. And I remember Krista opens the door and she peers out and she's just kind of like, hey. And we're like, this basket of good things. I, I'm, not in, I'm not extroverted, so I have to muster all of my extrovertedness to be like, hey. And she's kind of like, okay, great. And we g- give her the basket, and she was fine. And we were like excited because she opened the door. We, ha- we got her name. Those are big wins for us. And so we went back a couple of times, and she was still kind of hesitant but open. 
And then one week we went back and she swung the door open. And she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I saw you guys on YouTube. And I'm like, what? You saw us on YouTube? And she's like, yeah, like in this video in a strip club. And I'm like, what? There's a video of me in a, on a YouTube in a strip club? What? And she's like, yeah, there's one of these dancers. She has like a vlog and she's like really popular in the city. And I guess you guys go to one of her, you know, her, you go to her club and she was like doing her thing. And all of a sudden she says, oh, the church ladies are here. And she turns her camera and then there I go with my big afro, because I had a big afro walking in the video, right? And I'm like, hey girl, I didn't know I was on camera. She didn't give me a release form to like sign. I didn't get, I wasn't notified. And that might be problematic, but we'll talk about that later. And I don't know, that did something for Krista. Like she felt like, okay, you guys are legitimate. You guys, you know, if you are on so-and-so's vlog, then y'all actually, y'all all right. Y'all are all right, Christians. And then she just like opened her life to me. I mean, she was telling me about her son and the struggles he was having in school. I mean, I would text her, she would text me. I mean, this lady sent me a picture on the graduation day when I was in crucible on a Sunday. In his cap and gown, like, girl, we made it. And I'm like trying to pay attention to Brian, but then I'm also like, ah! She just texted me this picture. It's just like this moment where I'm just like, we're friends and it's good. And she's open to like conversations about Jesus. And there's like this moment that I went in there and I was just like, well, can we pray for him now? And y'all, we locked arms and prayed in the lingerie modeling shop lobby and called on Jesus. It was such a great moment. And I remember feeling excited one day going into, back into this place to go see Krista. And I just felt like the Lord was like, something's off, though. And I'm like, what you mean it's off? I'm doing I'm the kingdom. I'm not, I haven't forgotten about the kingdom, Jesus. The kingdom, I'm underground. I'm like seedy. I'm like yeasty. I don't know if we should say that, but I just made that up. <laughs> Guys, you can say that. Girls, you know. <clears throat> But anyways, I'm like seedy, and I'm yeasty, and I'm like, I'm doing all the stuff that I'm supposed to do. I'm injecting myself in the dough, and I'm planting myself in the ground. I'm trying to be like Jesus. Trying. But then I'm like, I'm, I'm missing something, right? I have to be. So I spent some time praying, and I felt like the Lord was like, yeah, 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 you've forgotten again. And I'm like trying to figure out what, what did I forget this time? And guys, I had forgotten that as I try to live my kingdom life, I was supposed to live it with this sense of urgency. I mean, if you were to talk to Krista, she would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She knew about Jesus. She talks about her past and, her, you know, the ways that she was raised. She talks, you know, we talk about Jesus all the time. She would say that she knew Jesus. She would say that, you know, we talked about him over candy. Because we always bring candy for her. And then I always ask, can I have a piece? It's a, you know, anyways. But she would, we would share, the, we would have these moments. And, and she would say, yes, like, I, I prayed with her. And she prayed with me. And, but, guys, I never presented the full gospel to her. I never told her 
about surrendering her life wholly and fully to the one who loves her, that he would give her a new life, that he knew her, that he wanted to invite her into his family, that he wanted her to be transformed. I never told her that. I never invited her. I never told her, look, there's a narrow door. Never. I was comfortable, and I was excited about our relationship. I had her number. I mean, she was texting me on vacation. She trusted me with some things that maybe she had never shared with anyone else. But I, I was inviting her to draw near to Jesus, but not to be changed by him. Guys, our proximity to Jesus is meaningless if we don't allow ourselves to be transformed. And the world's proximity to Jesus means nothing if they don't allow themselves to be transformed by him. Jesus, he cares about the restoration of our identity. And Jesus, he's, he knows who we are. He's, he's known who we've always been. We've been his, his daughters, his sons. And because of that truth, kind of like what my friend was saying here in the, in the beginning, because we know that to be true for ourselves, we want to go into the world and do that because it's been written on our hearts, because we are around the table. We see Jesus. We know him. And so we want to go and tell the world the good news about the kingdom of God. And so we do that, right? We go and invite people to our microchurches, and we, we do these things that God has called us to do, and we have hard conversations um, with our coworkers. We go and we, we have these, like, deep conversations with the moms in our, in our little mommy and me classes and at the parks. And we try to have meaningful conversations with our neighbors and with our professors and with our classmates. We try to do all of these things. We go and we build relationships. We invite them into our homes and have dinners. And we go and we have coffee with them. And we invite them to our uh, Halloween outreaches and our Thanksgiving outreaches and our Christmas outreaches and our uh, Super Bowl outreaches and our birthdays that really are outreaches. We invite them to all of those things. We invite them to the table and we say, eat and drink with Jesus. But we have never told them the full gospel. And we neglect to show them the, the narrow door. And why? Why do we do this? Why do you do this? Why do I do this? Why do I forget that there's this one person in my life that I have right now that I can tell about Jesus? Why? Because maybe it's not the right time. And you know what? I'll do it tomorrow. Or maybe because I know that, you know, when I think about Krista, she's not ready to surrender her entire livelihood for Jesus. Like, that's a discussion that we're going to have to have over time. Maybe it's because I'm not ready. Maybe I'm nervous. Maybe I know it's going to be awkward. Maybe I'm just hoping that, you know, at my little outreach, that Nishu will come by, <laughs> that Erica will come by, that Sasha will come by, that Jeremy will come by. And you know what? Those are the evangelists, right? Let them do their thing. Let me be me. Let me be a prophet. But y'all go do that evangelism thing real quick. I, set, I have the party hoping that they will come by and wrap it up for me. Why? Why do we do this? I want to invite up 
Emily. And you know what, there's so many reasons that I just listed and there's probably so many other reasons that you can come up with as to why we don't. And I would probably say it's probably none of those things. I would say it's we don't invite people because we have forgotten. We have forgotten that there will be a day when the master will get up and he will close the door. And our friends, our family members, our co-workers, our neighbors, our classrooms, the people that we see every day at Publix and Winn-Dixie, those people will be outside banging on the door saying, Lord, let us in. You know us. You know us. We ate with you at Central House. You know us. We played ball with you at Masharu. You know us, Lord, let us in. We served meals um, with Good Sam. You remember them? You know them? Let us in, God. We, we talked about you over drinks at Beer and Bible, and, and we worshiped you at our InterVarsity large group gathering. You know us, Lord, let us in. Right? Man, I know Bethany. I know Stacy. I know Ryan. I know Dan. Let me in. And Jesus, who does not forget, who knows all things that was and is and is to come. Jesus, who knows his children by name, he knows them because he was there when they were being formed in their mother's womb. Jesus, who remembers everything and remembers everyone who surrendered their lives to him, will say, I do not know you. I don't know where you come from. You're not from me. Sorry. I know who I created, and I know who has said yes to me, and I know who are my children, and it's not you. We forget about that day. We don't want to even think about that day. Because that will be a day that our friends and the people that we love and the people that we feel called to will be mortified. Because they will be wailing and weeping outside. As we forget that this day is coming and we live and we breathe and we work and we parent and we minister without a sense of urgency because we have forgotten we take it for granted we take our call to be mustard seeds and yeast for granted so we don't go with any sense of urgency to really be planted anywhere to really go insert ourselves anywhere in this broken world and therefore, we don't invite anyone to say yes to Jesus. We don't invite anyone to live in eternity with him. Like I said before, it doesn't matter how many times we've invited them in. If, if the world is just close to Jesus, that's not mean that their identity isn't changed by him. They need to say yes.
guys, I want when that day comes, when he stands up and he closes the door and the feast of the kingdom of God begins, I want our people to be there. I want the people that we know are engraved on our hearts throughout this city and throughout this world to be at the table. I want them to take their rightful place. I want them to sit among the nations. I want them to be members of the family of God, known and loved and seen by him. We have forgotten. We have forgotten many things. And today I sense the Lord is calling us to repent for that. And to remember his kingdom and to remember his people. Will you remember? Will you live with a sense of urgency? Will you go into the world and be what he's called you to be? Let's just take a moment and close our eyes. As some of us get ready to partake in communion today and remember the blood and body of Jesus, I want you to answer that question, who is missing from this table? And I know that you are telling people about Jesus, but I'm talking about that one person. That one person in your life that you have not told. Who was that person? that person that you need to share the good news of the gospel with today, tomorrow, or this week. Maybe for others of us, we can't think of anyone. Maybe because we have forgotten our first call to the kingdom of God. We've forgotten to be seeds and yeast in this world. Will you recommit to the mission of God today as you come to the table? And maybe there are others of us who have heard this call before. Maybe it's by the person sitting right next to you. They've told you, but you've never said yes. And maybe today, Jesus again is calling you to himself. Will you say yes? as you come to the table today. Guys, the Lord is here. The Lord is present. Will you respond to him today as we take communion? Jesus, 
I confess that we are forgetful people. God, we repent for our forgetful ways. God, would you remind us of who you've created us to be? God, would you bring to mind all the people in our lives, in our circles that do not know you? God, would you give us the boldness and the courage to make a decision today to go and tell them about the good news of your saving grace? Jesus, will we be a people, help us be a people that does not forget your kingdom? God, help us to remember. Lord, help us to remember. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus given for you.